to Cannon Fodder, the supplementary show to the 20-sided podcast all about world building and lore. This is an exercise in collaboration, improvisation, and storytelling where we build a world one piece at a time. And each week, our guests determine which piece we'll be building by spinning the wheel of world building. Who knows what we will be talking about this week? Last week, we dove headfirst into a Scrooge McDuck pile of mythical treasures, but this week could be absolutely anything. We don't know. We don't want to know. We give all of our trust to the wheel. And remember, whatever we come up with, no matter how crazy, will become canon within the Fractured Realms and within the 20-sided podcast itself. As I've said before, we have the fate of this world in our hands, but no pressure. It's going to be fun. I'm very pleased to introduce today's guest. She is a player in my longest running home game and is one of my very favorite D&D players I've ever had the pleasure of playing with. Uh, She is a talented artist, an animator, and an all-around damn fun person. So excited to introduce Lauren Moore! Hey, thank you! How's it going? (laughs) nice! It is very true. Uh, You are definitely one of my favorite players to ever play with. Oh my gosh. I just like to keep things chaotic. I like to do voices. So that makes me sound really annoying. (laughs) But no, I I remember the the first time we played together, it was all people who had never played or had played like once, maybe. Mm -hmm. And you came in and like everyone else was kind of like getting into characters and you immediately came in as, you know, Dougal doing your (laughs) guns a blazing. (laughs) Yeah, just guns a blazing coming out of there. Um, And, you know, playing a wild magic sorcerer is always extra fun. Yeah. Just for the zaniness factor. Oh, love it. It's been so fun. I've I've enjoyed doing that. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a trip. <laughs> Got uh, so, me through the pandemic for sure. Oh yeah, me too. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about D and kind of your relationship to like fantasy and sci-fi. I know we have our our long running home game. Do you want to mm-hmm. tell everyone about your character a little bit? Oh sure. His name is uh Douglas DePuff. Um I I pulled a lot of inspirations kind of and mixed them together to create him. So in my mind he looks kind of like the Sultan from Aladdin, but he has the voice of, you know, it's I can't do it, <laughs> but in my head he has <laughs> I do my best attempt, but it's supposed to be uh like a Matt Berry character. So that's who inspired it. And then it's, you know, run that through my vocal cords and <laughs> what I'm trying to do. And that's kind of how he sounds. But he's got like um he's very stupid but very lovable. Just a, a lovable little oaf. And he is a sorcerer but doesn't really know why or how. He's just gotten these powers and he's just kind of like, well that's cool. Look at that. Well, so at that. <laughs> it's kind of fun, fun to just like yeah, make him Silly and stupid, and but also have this tremendous amount of power. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you, I'm trying to remember if this is right. I think you were the first character uh, that I ever killed when you guys were facing that, like that rock, or you were facing some kind of flying thing, oh, and it like grabbed you in its claws, yeah. clawed you three times in the air, dropped you to zero hit points, took away all your death saving throws. I think Merrick was able to save you with a uh, revivify a spell. That was the first time I'd ever oh killed anyone. Gosh, I was like, oh my right. God, it can't be Douglas. <laughs> I love Douglas. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I would come up with something. I'd also, I, I like to pull for my characters, like whatever I'm watching or reading or enjoying in the moment. So yeah, the Matt Berry was what we do in the shadows influenced. Um, mm-hmm. I had played 
a session before and I didn't realize that I had totally ripped off a character, but I was like, yeah, she's going to be like about nine years old. She's going to have red hair. She's going to have freckles, be a little bit nerdy though, and wear glasses. And she's going to talk to animals <laughs> and then she's going to like study them and kind of draw them in a notebook. I was like, this is so good. And then I was like, oh, I just made Eliza Thornberry. <laughs> you know, they're the worst people to make. Yeah. I love Eliza Thornberry. Me too. So you you did a little bit of D and D before we started playing. You've done a lot of D and D at this point. We're like fifty mm-hmm. sessions into that, so you know a good yeah. hundred hours in. What other like fantasy or sci fi? I hate to say like properties or like things uh, were you interested in like as a kid or are interested in now? Like what were kind of your your touchstones in those realms? Um, well, I've always I've grown up on Disney, so that's been like a huge influence on of me course. and why I want to be an animator and everything. So I'm I'm like Disney trivia, I've got it. Which I also want to um, correction on <laughs> pushing up my glasses here. Uh, another episode, I think the one with Sage, it's the Hundred Acre Wood, not Hundred Acre Woods. See, this is how annoying I get oh with this stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love my Disney. Um, but that's been just a huge influence for. Her. I'm I'm kidding. I mean that I is true, but I also don't really like care. Pooh bear knowledge. Oh. <laughs> also, Kevin and I have been doing so many poo impressions lately. But anyway, they're bad. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so yeah, I, I've been a huge Disney fan um, as a kid. Um, and then more recently, you know, I, I loved Harry Potter, um, but I really, really, really enjoyed Game of Thrones. That was like a huge one for me. And okay. I was just as annoying with that, too. If, like, anybody messes up the names of the characters, I'm like, no, no, that's not their name. <laughs> <laughs> so I get very protective of these things. And that, that uh, one's when tougher, I get really there, into there's them. a lot of fucking names in that. They all have titles yeah. and, like, their titles. And, and I don't remember change. now. Like, I've, I've so forgotten it. Like, I feel like I was doing the crossword and one of the names came up and I was just like, no, I don't remember. I used to, like, have everything, like, so All the hours I tight. put into this. <laughs> yeah. I must have it so, on demand. Yeah, so I haven't watched, you know, since since it ended, and that's all kind of fluttering away, but I love that. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm reading a fantasy series now I just started. Um, a friend recommended to me, gosh, what is it even called? It's like Crown of, Crown of Roses, Crown of something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reading know. this book, and I don't even know what it's called. Is it <laughs> but good? it's like kind of a fad book series right now, I think, and I just started okay. it, and that's fun, so I like that. Very fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm deep into like a 1,400 page fantasy novel right now, uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm loving these these thick fantasy books recently. Uh, I need oh, to yeah, read like a, I mean, a biography next or something. Oh yeah, yeah, to <laughs> cleanse the palate yeah, before it, your next. In one. the past like six months, I've done like six thousand pages of like high fantasy. I'm like, all right, I should read something oh. about Grover Cleveland or something. <laughs> <laughs> read obama's book that'll really bring you back down there you it's you very I, long you know and I have, I have um it, because everyone has this book and i swear i haven't met anyone that's actually read it is michelle obama's book we have oh, that it on one, our actually i was joking about obama's because i mean it's worth the read i guess he was a president and it's like but it's it gets kind of dry mm-hmm. um hers is great so is interesting it? the entire time, but she talks about politics, but she talks about like life family being a human like hers is so much more accessible and it you don't feel that you're reading it. You just like breeze through it, even though it's really long. So if you're going to read either of them, read hers, not his. <laughs> that, that feels like where I'm going to end up next. I need like a, just a palate cleanser just so that I can, you know, yeah. step out of the fantasy world oh, that one? come back in. Yeah. It's so enjoyable. Highly recommend. Hell yeah. 
I think it's time to take a little look at this wheel. Oh gosh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> okay. Take a look at the wheel. Before we spin, you'll see there's a bunch of kind of, you know, very broad topics, you know, food, culture, currency, stuff like that. And there are some more specific things. There are like things that are named that you may or may not know. There's a large section of like people's names. That's the the wedge of divinity, all the nine gods in this world. Is there anything you're seeing on the wheel that jumps out at you as something you're interested in or maybe something you, you're hoping to avoid? Avoid right now, I'm seeing economy and currency and I work for a bank, so I really don't <laughs> want to be reminded of those things. Um, it's a bit triggering, but... Um, in listening to this podcast, um, my boo thing, Kevin, and I have been talking about whoever gets idioms, it's going to be so fun. So that one I think would be really fun, but I also idioms feel a lot of pressure and like hope that goes to somebody worthy. Um, sports would be tough, but, you know, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what happens. I'm trying not to overthink it too much because then I'll... Ooh, taboos. Oh, that was already done. Um, hmm. You know, yeah. we, we haven't had a, a double up yet. But I'm interested to have one in the near future because then we've got to we also also get to the point in this. This is going to be episode 11 where now some things are going to be kind of colliding and I might have to kind of like remind people of like things that have recently been created that we have to like move around and stuff like that. Oh, I've been so curious if that would happen. Okay, I mean, it might it it hasn't happened much yet. It's gotten a little bit close uh, with the episode nine about the Drag Empire. But so we'll see. So why don't yeah. you? I think it's time. Let's go ahead and spin the wheel of world building. I clicked it. I'm so nervous. What are you gonna get? What are you gonna get? Bartle the scrib scribbler. Bartle the Bartle the scribbler. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait, isn't there like a Shakespeare character or something? There Maybe is something a, like I, uh, Bartleby the it's Bartleby the, the Scrivener, and I believe Scrivener. it's a Melville okay. character. Um, oh, okay. So Bartle the Scribbler is a one of the gods of this world. I partially stole it for two reasons. One, Bartleby the Scrivener is like weird name that I've always I haven't read this story, uh, but I've always liked the name, and so I just kind of yeah. moved it around. And also we, me and Abby, my girlfriend, have two cats, one of whom is named Bart. So we call him Bartleby the Scritchener. Uh, oh so this is a little God, homage I to him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So I'll tell you what is known about Bartle the Scribbler, and then you can kind of okay. fill in the rest. He is a turtle, so like a, a giant turtle person. God bless. And he is the lawful neutral god of writing, art, creativity. Like the, the, the scribbler aspect is really his, you know, big moniker. You know, he's always writing or scribbling and stuff like that. But that is all that is known. He's lawful, neutral, so he's neither good nor evil. He's just kind of operates under a code of some sort. We don't necessarily know what that okay. code is. So to clarify, I guess, going back to Game of Thrones, would that be kind of like um, the, the, oh my gosh, see, I already forget the names, the, um, <laughs> the, the, the eunuch. Um, the, um Varys, yeah, duh, yeah. Yes, actually, like Varys, okay. is, Varys is a pretty good example where he is okay. neither good nor evil, but he does operate right. under a code. Okay. Um, okay, so where do we start with a god? So I think let's start with, let's start with some features of how this god is worshipped. Okay, okay, so uh, there are, maybe let's start maybe even further back from that. 
who are the worshipers of Bartle the Scribbler? So this is a god of writing, art, and creativity. Who are the people who worship Bartle? My mind jumped kind of two ways. It would either be people who are just like fanatics, kind of like, for lack of a better term, like a groupie type of person, or mm-hmm. it would be other people who have similar interests. So you have your, your anybody, your, so I, I'll probably go that way. Like anybody who does music or art or anything creative, like they look to this God as kind of like a muse, like an inspiration and also okay. um, some, someone that they pray to, to like help, like gift them with creativity to make whatever they are working on. Okay, so I'm almost thinking this is kind of a god of, like, in a D&D class, like, god of, like, bards and people who are creating things Ooh, and, yeah. like, using magic. When people worship Bartle the Scribbler, like, when you, when you go to <laughs> church or when you pray to Bartle the Scribbler, what act, are, are you performing any kind of, like, special action? Like, if you, if you go to... You sing it. Oh, you, okay, you sing your prayers? It, yeah, it always has to be sung. Okay, I like that. Um, so you're always... <laughs> always singing your prayers so it's a performance like you know i feel like you know in like the christian world in our world like you know prayers depending on your religion very private very you know i guess some religions it's not that way but um i'm thinking that it's very performative and it's not something that's like independent or Mm -hmm. like necessarily like thoughtful and like really mindful it's very like outward and expressive and like it's shown Okay, so then we have these worshipers who are constantly like expounding their hopes and dreams and desires and fears to the world. Does that like the church of Bartle the Scribbler or the temple or whatever, whatever place of worship there is for Bartle Mm -hmm. is I would imagine people who are like creative and like sharing these things. It's a very like tight knit community or at least a very like it be, like you're sharing so much and you it feels like you would know people so much better than like in some other religions where it's private. Yeah. How Yeah, definitely. How would that kind of develop like what would the church of Bar or the temple or whatever whatever place of worship of Bar the Scribbler what would that end up looking like? Oh, it's an amphitheater. It's, oh, it's, it's an amphitheater. It's like, okay. Yeah. So it's like it's and it's not it doesn't need to be like gigantic, um, but it would just be out open air, like amphitheater type space. There are a few of these in Columbus, Ohio, where I grew up that are just like nice in the park and you can just like go there with people and it's just nice and open. <laughs> I, I also uh, grew up in, in Columbus. I was just outside of Columbus and I didn't know these places existed until like fairly. I mean, not recently, I mean, a decade ago. But Yeah. Uh, but fairly recently, and I went to one, and I was like, oh, this is in Columbus? Oh, this is cool. There's two just in the town that I grew up in, Westerville, and one I didn't even know was there, and I just visited recently and was like, this was here, and I never knew. But yeah, it's nice, just like a, in, I kind of imagine it like that one, where it's like in a beautiful, like, kind of tucked away in like a park, so you kind of have to know it's there. Um, okay. But it's also out in the open within like a park area, and it's just like an amphitheater that you can... Very perf- or or even kind of like I'm also thinking of there was there was one at Ohio State, um, mm-hmm. kind of like a little outdoor area that you could so it'd be like kind of like cobblestone step a little bit and then like very pretty very inspiring because you have nature all all around you, but it's out in the open so anybody can join and then also very good acoustics. So there is definitely a premium on amplifying the performance. Like like an amphitheater is literally made to amplify the performance. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not so much like the natural world, but it is so much built to exemplify the people who are 
who are praying, like almost to amplify your prayers to like go out to Bartle to be answered. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. What is there a, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the worshipers and kind of transition over to Bartle uh, himself. Is there a like colloquial name for the worshipers of Bartle the Scribblers? Oh gosh, I mean, on a simple level, I kind of just wanted to say the scribblers. Like, <laughs> but I mean, they could certainly um, be the scribblers. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with Yeah, I just kind of like that. That the the he is the scribbler, but they're his scribblers. Or I don't know. We could play with it and be like scribblies or something. But a <laughs> scrib- scribbler is also fine. <laughs> I like scribbler. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Bartle himself, because all we know right now is lawful neutral. God of writing, art, creativity. He is prayed to in this very performative way. Who is Bartle the Scribbler? I know that is a very broad question, but he was in the, because all these gods started out as mortals. They were heroes or adventurers of some stripe who banded together to defeat the Titans or seal away the Titans and, an age ago, and then were able to ascend to godhood afterwards. In his mortality, who was Bartle the Scribbler and why did he attempt, why did he like join this ragtag band of adventurers to fight the Titans? I kind of imagine him being, so my first thought is he is like, because he's lawful neutral, he is the the middle point between a Paul McCartney and a John Lennon. So I imagine <laughs> him being, you know, he's not as whimsical as Paul, but he's not as like, you know, pessimistic as John. He's kind of right in the middle. Maybe he's more like a George. I don't know. <laughs> but he's very like go with the flow. Um, and I just imagine that like he kind of was, you know, an, an artist in his mortal world. Mm-hmm. And I I like the idea, and maybe this is similar to my dear Duggled, but he is kind of I like the idea that he just like creates and it's not for a necessary like purpose or like for an agenda, he just does it. And then mm-hmm. it just happens to like help people. And he's just kind of like, cool, great moving right along. Like <laughs> it doesn't right, right. like phase him really. Um, so yeah, I just imagine him kind of just being like, Oh, you know, I'm just plucking around on my boat. <laughs> on my, on my, what is it? A loot? A, a loot, a, sure. <laughs> yeah. Loot, and he's uh, just kind of chilling. Like or, yeah. And then, you know, the the music you know attracts so it does some grand gesture that like saves people or something and people are like wow that was incredible do you realize the impact that your music just had and he just kind of like looks up in a daze and is like what <laughs> like is just totally unaware just because he's like i don't know so in his I'm, own world i'm kind of seeing this as so he's definitely he was probably in his mortal world like a bard of some sort and as in terms yeah. of like a mechanical class but I'm almost thinking this in like like a Greek mythology, to, and I forget I don't know my Greek mythology very well. But I'm iffy on it. Yeah, well, you know there is some kind of Greek god all about music and things that I'm sure yeah. someone will tell me about later. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm thinking is if Bartle the Scribbler eventually was like the bard that ascends to godhood, he must have a number of compositions or songs or stories or tales. That have been elevated to the level of like legend. They they are the ultimate standards. They are, you know, Homer's Odyssey. They are Shakespeare. They are let it be, you know? What are some of Bartle the Scribbler's greatest hits? Mm. 
And, and I, we don't Ooh. have to like get into like the the nitty gritty of it unless you want to. But are mm-hmm. they are they epic poems? Are they songs? Are they did like what is what are the things that Bartle would have been remembered for had he just remained immortal? He's got a big hit called Hey Hey Dude. <laughs> And people love it. They eat it up. They chant it. You know, they just chant it over and over again. (laughs) None of this is a ripoff. Let's see. I I like imagining him. So he's not just musical, though, because, I mean, if he ascends to godhood, I want him to kind of dabble a little bit of everything. I want him to be kind of like a creative that kind of just like no matter what he tries, he is like pretty instantly good at it and Mm -hmm. at multiple things. So like drawing scribbling (laughs) um Mm -hmm. writing whether it's poems music whatever um if they do any sort of ceramics absolutely like he's just a true multi-hyphenate yeah 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 but just so chill about it it's not because he's trying to gain followers like that just happens naturally because people can read just like how genuine he is and then that just like creates even more of a following Mm -hmm. i love it he's just this like I'm trying to think of of a similar person in our world that is a good person or is a neutral person. Because the, the, per, the person that like jumps to my mind, unfortunately, is like James Franco, where they just do everything. But that's like clearly Ooh, uh, yeah, that's like chaotic it's definitely evil. Not him. <laughs> but it's, it's I would say it's more akin to um, um, Childish Gambino. Yes, exactly. OK, so uh, we that's got exactly Donald what I was Glover. Thinking of. Um, mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So it's this multi-hyphenate turtle who just does it for the love of it. However, he is still, though he's a neutral god, he is also a lawful god. So he does operate by some kind of code. Oh, true. Okay. Um, which, which, I, which I think everything we've said so far works for. But what mm-hmm. is the, the like, code that he presents to his followers? Or maybe the code that he lived by in life and in godhood? What is his, like, through line, essentially? This is a tough I one. Think, this is this is big. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I feel like I'm I'm gonna start broad and we're gonna have to narrow it. Um, so I'm thinking that he's like very into the connection between like the self and community. So like mm-hmm. his thing is like how can you create to to better the world and and that can be for yourself. It can be for others. I don't think he's gonna be too pushy on either but he just wants to make sure that it's it, it that it is broad and that you're not only creating for selfish needs or gains but then on the flip side of it maybe that you're not only so much doing it for other people that you're not being true to yourself or genuine to what you bring to the table so i don't think he's got like an activism toward a specific cause but he wants people to use their gift basically so it it does kind of sound like and, and I, I forget the Latin for it, but it's on the, the MGM logo, like, you know, where the lion is, is above it in oh. Latin is art for art's sake, uh, which, of Ooh, course, is yeah. absolutely not true of MGM. But uh, but it's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. saying. It kind of feels like that's where he's at. It's like make the art, make it for the community, share it. I would almost think that he would look and, and you tell me if I'm wrong or right, that he would look down on people who are making like pop music to be sold. Or that are making things too much under the influence of like what other people want. He he is just about making it for yourself, making it for others, but putting it out into the world 
he, I think he would like Sean Parker of Napster. Like he, he likes people putting <laughs> yeah, out yeah. the, uh, uh, the things into the world. But totally on a like a pure level, like not, yeah, exactly. Not to sell things, not to gain popularity, but just to, to put a piece of yourself into the world, um, mm-hmm. in a, and to make it better by doing so. Yeah. So not in like a capitalist way. Pop, he, I feel like pop, it would be like, he loves Carly Rae Jepsen. Sure. Um, but maybe not. Oh, let's see. What's a what's a very like <laughs> capitalist like churned out pop ooh, person? Uh, ooh. I don't know. Though I gotta say, just, <laughs> I know I feel like this should a, be easy. <laughs> as a side note, Carly Rae Jepsen's album, the one that Friday's on, pretty fucking good. It's pretty. They're solid. all they're great. I love. I haven't them. listened to all, She's, but. Emotion solid. is the best. Emotion, flawless, start to finish. But, also, I, um, I did just listen to, I say listen, I say this as if I've only listened to it once, which is a lie. I did just listen to uh, Olivia Rodrigo's album, Sour. Oh, yeah. Uh, very good. Yeah. It's really good. The See, first song, the first, like, she's got a couple of those, like, very, like, 70s feminist, like, punk songs, like, mm-hmm. like girl band punk song type things, uh, which are great. There's definitely, like, a through line of, I just had a breakup and let me tell you about it. But they're all oh, I good. Like I, I would not I, I want to listen to seven up. of them at the same time. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I would have eaten that up when I was a high schooler. Oh, I just would have. Mm. Yeah, it's Honestly? it's so good. But that's exactly that's exactly what he is like. Yes, and celebrating because that's again, it's like very pure. And even if it is kind of one topic that carries through the whole album, like he's he's about it because it's pure. It's genuine. It's not to like sell records and um, right. be a certain character. The, the I feel bad trying to name somebody because I don't want to like drag them, but like the the first people that came to mind were the the Simpson sisters, so like Jessica Simpson and then Ashley Simpson, uh, yeah, <laughs> because I feel like feels Ashley right. was maybe kind of like, well, your sister was a success, so let's try you. But then also, I feel like she had songs that were like, "Don't put me in my sister's shadow," so maybe not. So maybe that's a bad example. Maybe like trying to make. Lindsay Lohan, like a singer when she, I don't know. Uh, people can do what they want though. See, I don't like dragging anybody. <laughs> I feel like, and maybe this is how, how our, our guy is. Maybe he's kind of the same way and he like sees the good in people or, well, I don't yeah, know if he's I, neutral. I, I think, I think Bardo the Scribbler is never doing like a 10 he's not worst doing the artists. He's always doing like 10, he's not doing 10 artists you shouldn't listen to. He's like 10 artists you maybe haven't heard of. Check out. Yeah. Oh, he runs Pitchfork. He, he, he runs Pitchfork, <laughs> but like the all, all the positive ones. Never, yeah. never any of the yeah, negatives. Yeah. It's always a positive spin. Though I guess he's lawful yeah. neutral. I think I think he's still doing that though. I think he's still bending okay. positive. Because I think when you're yeah. making stuff and when you're making it for yourself a community, there is still a positive bent. And I will clarify, like when it's for the community, on that note, it because he is kind of neutral, it doesn't have to be positive itself it doesn't have to be good like it mm-hmm. can stir some shit up it can be political it can be like freaking um Ooh, sure. oh what's a- american um, idiot? it can be that it can be like your tom morellos it can be like mm-hmm. all these yeah people just like rage against the machine that sort of thing too like he is all spectrums of it oh, you know this is this is a, a tangent but i feel like I, I so i just listened to i just found out that the chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, put out an album yeah. in 2020, which slapped oh, yeah. from from top to bottom, tip to tail. Great album. 
I actually, oh, I forgot that that came out and I meant to listen to it and I haven't, but it's I heard good. the singles on it and really loved it. Yeah. The singles yeah. are crazy. I'm into what they're doing. Um, yeah. But I, but I, I, I was um, just on a bike trip with Matt DeCaro, a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours. Yeah. And he showed me the album and he's like, oh, do you know why the Dixie Chicks went away? And I was like, huh, I guess I never realized. And it's because they like talked shit about George W. Bush in like 2002, mm-hmm. which was oh like, my gosh, you know, yeah. from 2002 to 2003 was the only time you couldn't do that. I was like, oh, I well, didn't realize they got canceled before, you know, getting canceled was really a they thing. They sure did. That is such a tricky thing um, because I remember, so I grew up at the time with a very conservative household mm-hmm. and also they listened to country music. <laughs> and so they were they were a big popular band and I remember that happening. And, you know, our family uh, loved Bush and we could not have... Heinz ketchup because the carries were involved with Heinz. Oh my God, I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, so we had to buy W ketchup that was like George Washington. It was insane. It was, ugh, it made me so mad. But um, yeah, that was like a huge deal. And I remember as a kid kind of being really confused of like, okay, why when Green Day does it, is it super cool? But when like a band of girls do it or women, like Mm -hmm. they're just going to be totally slammed for it. And I know it has to do with like, the music that they did and like the groups of people yeah. that they kind of, there, there is a difference their audiences, the audiences of punk bands and the audiences of country yeah. music, unfortunately. But I kind of was like really frustrated of like when everybody was like, wow, Green Day, like really putting it out there. I was kind of oh, like, Oh no, you're well, definitely not wrong. I feel like, I feel like there's a group of women that also did it earlier. And, but you know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I, but I do get it and I get where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was a tangent. That was a tangent. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't listened to the Chicks yeah. album, check it out. It's really good. Okay. Uh, so back to Mr. The Scribbler. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where else we want to go with this. So we know that he is very positive about like getting stuff out into the community. He is worshipped by being like sung to and praised and stuff. Ooh, I just thought of something else. Yeah, go for it. So again, a lot of Beatles imagery here, but I, I at the amphitheater, I, ima- I imagine that there is something like the imagine thing in New York um, that they have like the shrine for John Lennon. Like I imagine there's something in the ground that like people put flowers on and stuff. So like while you're also singing and praying, like the people who aren't on stage doing their performance prayer are bringing artwork and laying it down, bringing flowers, mm-hmm. bringing anything that they work on and also kind of doing that too. Tell me, tell me what you think about this, because I'm also thinking of like the worshippers of Barbie, the script of Bartle, the scribbler are going to be, you know, artists and artisans and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I can imagine a lot of those people are, you know, respected in the like if you're a potter or I don't know what the actual t- is it potter, potter, a person mm-hmm. who makes pottery. There is yeah. like a, a respect, you know, you're in a store, but I'd imagine that what, what I'm really thinking of here, what I, what I want some of the people to be is have you watched Gilmore Girls? Oh my God. Do you know who you're talking? I love Gilmore Girls. <laughs> so uh, during the pandemic, me and Abby watched all of Gilmore Girls, except for, I haven't seen the Netflix, the, the bonus thing. So don't tell me no spoilers. Um, okay. But my favorite character besides like some of the obvious ones was the troubadour. The like oh, random we love musician the troubadour. that's always in Yeah, town. the town troubadour. I love the town troubadour. I think it's so fun. And I think that some of the worshipers of Barlow the Scribbler are like the town troubadours. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Totally, like the, totally. The they guys are. who are just playing an acoustic guitar or like the, I would almost think like graffiti art, like Banksy would be a fucking, you know, Bartle Scribbler. Yeah. Uh, he'd maybe, oh, maybe yeah. be a little more chaotic, but, but I don't know. Yeah. No, everyone's included. Everyone's like, uh, that's the thing is like, 
but he, I, I'm, I'm really torn on this lawful thing because, yeah, does does he support street art? Um, I guess. I, I think see, you'd the, be the, lawful the thing with to lawful his is, law. Exactly, it doesn't have to be the code of everybody. It's only his code. Yeah. Lawful only means you. So follow he would love code. it. Yeah. So, so his code is if you're if you're not if you're. I kind of like that he. I feel like this is kind of the point of art is like if you're not making people think or like challenging the status quo. That's kind of where he's coming from, and he doesn't really care what your position is, just mm-hmm. as long as you're encouraging thought, you're encouraging discussion, you're encouraging discord. Like right. So yeah. He's all about just like amplifying what's there, and that's like with the idea of the amphitheater too. I mean, he's mm-hmm. all about expressing what is inside and getting it out. I think I have two more things that I want to get for Bartle. The first one is mm-hmm. what is a like what is the symbol of Bartle the Scribbler? Like if you had a crest for worshippers of Bartle for the Scribblers, what would that look like? What is like the icon of Bartle the Scribbler? I uh, I the base of it would be like a a turtle or tortoise shell. Okay. Um and instead of, oh, ugh, I had an idea, but I kind of hate it. <laughs> I, well, let, uh, let, let's start with the idea you hate, and then we can always, you know, expand Yeah, let's, we got to fix it because I really do hate it. Yeah, we'll fix I was it like, oh, what do, like, crests and stuff have? Like, a lot of times they'll have, like, a sword or something. Mm-hmm. And I I know that I don't want it to be, like, a Pinterest, like, instead of swords, it's a paintbrush. Like, I don't want any <laughs> shit like that. Okay. Like, get that out of here. Okay. Um, but what do I want? I don't know. I don't want it to be too cluttered either because I want it to be kind of like a blank canvas. And that's the point is that like his followers and that he expects mm-hmm. people to kind of like make their mark. Okay. I kind of like the idea of you want to make your mark. So maybe I, I, I had two ideas. Okay. One was like an old school, like, you know, like a cheerleader microphone, mm-hmm. like a handheld thing. Cause the idea of him, like, you know, saying it to the world is like, Hey, your art is a, and it, it amplify your art through amplify your voice through art. The other was if it's if you want it to be a blank page, why not just make that literal? Make it a turtle yes. shell with a blank piece of paper. I love that. That's what I want because the other one I feel like kind of leans towards activism, which like he That's supports, true, but I don't want it to seem like that he supports a specific agenda. So yeah, blank page on a tor- a turtle turtle a turtle shell <laughs> would be perfect. Hell yeah. Uh, okay, so we have a good we got a good symbol for Bartle the Scribbler. Mm-hmm. The other question I want to talk about is when these nine heroes, now gods, uh, faced the Titans, each of them had a like magical, mythical item. For some, it was a weapon. For some, it was a type of armor. For some, it was, you know, random other stuff. Like, uh, for example, this kind, the rotting, had this like floating orb that would like suck people in and turn them old and like rot them. Um, mm-hmm. What would, and, and each of these items was specifically designed for these gods. It wasn't something they like found. It was something that was made for them. What would Bartle have commissioned as his like ultimate, you know, item? Well, I thought of something, but I, it's not, it's not a physical item, so you can scratch it, but I do want to get it out there as like a piece of him. Yeah. Um, so I want him to have you know, he has kind of like a, a very like, oh, whatever kind of voice, um, just like a generic Beatle voice, <laughs> <Shut> I think, <laughs> like Liverpool. But he I want him to when he sings like he can hit really, really high, beautiful notes effortlessly. Ooh, OK. Um, 
that are just very angelic and like almost kind of like Tom York of Radiohead, where it's just like he's very unassuming. But then once he like sings and gets a high note, nails it and is just like puts everybody in shock and awe and just like. I want that to be something that he does. And maybe that's what he uses to like defeat someone or so something. You're saying he can, he can hit that note at the, uh, the end of the first act of wicked in defying gravity. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I know what you mean just because of like culture. Yeah. Because of pop <laughs> yeah. Culture. yeah. I think it's exactly. like a high, high mm, C maybe. I don't, know, I don't know, but he can do it. He, he can, can do, do it, it can without do batting an eyelash. Uh, he just has the full range of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's what he's known for. Like he can do the lows, but he's a turtle, so that's not like super impressive. But that when he sings that that high falsetto, it just it makes people it has power. <laughs> it has power. So and then maybe if he does he need it does he still need an object? I think he needs an object, though I, I don't want you to be too limited by the idea of like a physical like it definitely is a thing that could be found by other people. Um Okay. But it doesn't have to be like sword or shield. It can kind of be anything. And we can imbue whatever that item is with unseen power. We don't need to be too specific, but what is the item he would choose? Is it an instrument? Is it a, you know, tuning fork? Is it a certain type, like a pen? Is it something? And then what's Um, the vague thing that it does? We don't have to get too specific, but something that it does. I like tuning fork a lot. And I like that, like, the vibrations do something. Um, Okay. So I would think tuning fork wise if he's got so do you think it is a like tuning fork like you know you can put it between your fingers like it's a small guy or is it like a weapon like it, has he made a you know oh, a sword i wanted to be fork? a weapon okay. yes I didn't absolutely even think a about fucking that. tuning fork you know sword or mace i want him to stick it in his shell like an archer has like a pack of arrows yeah, 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 behind yeah. them and i want him to like pull it out of the shell and then just like ding, and then it's just like really intense vibrations. And like maybe there's something where like certain people can withstand the like pitch, mm-hmm. but other people, like another certain group of people, like it's agonizing and they can't stand to listen to it or something. I gotta think just from like a mechanics because a, a giant tuning fork is a really cool fucking like A, it can just be a sword, whatever. Yeah. But it can also do like mechanically it would do mass amounts of like thunder damage so he could like hit it and like explode like explode out like in a in a you know a radius around him this massive like thunder wave thing or he i'm thinking lightning light for sure the other thing i'm thinking (laughs) is is he like hits it and hits it into the ground and he can like direct a bolt to go straight to a person so not only is this you know mechanically like a plus three battle axe or whatever it is it also has you know spell slots of thunder wave and lightning bolt and probably something else what what would be like it needs like one more cool thing to I, I, and i think the other thing it is because it has to be a tuning fork and he wants to be able to tune it can it can adjust to any uh any note possible <laughs> he like yeah he just hits it and like whatever note he wants it just does that note uh, I do kind of like that he pitch. whips it out to like put himself in tune. Like he's checking his tuning and then it just happens to like help him out. And then he's just like, oh, cool. <laughs> but uh, obviously, you know, that can that doesn't have to happen. <laughs> have you ever have you seen um, the anime Trigun? No, it's a very fun anime. But there's uh, these two women who are chasing around Vash the Stampede, who's like this 
ultimate outlaw guy. And they're both with Mm -hmm. the insurance company that has to like keep paying out insurances for all the things that he wrecks. And one of the, one of the women is this like very, very tall and very like soft spoken, like very gregarious woman. But every time she like moves her, her cloak, like her coat opens up and she has this massive fucking gun that like falls out and like, you know, these hulking men can't lift it up. That's kind of what I imagine for this thing is that like, he'll need to go into and be like, Oh, excuse me. Pull out this massive tuning point. Just go. ding, Yeah. And then just shove it away. And everyone's just like, what the, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So fucking cool. Love Barlow's. Oh, oh, actually wait, we've got a tuning fork weapon here. Do Mm -hmm. you have a name for this weapon? Oh, what is the name? (laughs) I keep thinking of really dumb things like just fork. (laughs) Like Thor, but fork. But no, I don't like that. (laughs) That's so dumb. I want it to be really like, oh, I want it to be like Thor's hammer has like such a cool name or like, what is it? Stormbreaker is the newer one that he has. There is a cool thing that uh, there's a cool format for like legendary weapons that I like that I guess was done with like medieval weapons where you have two names to the weapon. You have like the. So, for instance, uh, if the weapon was called Bartle the Scribbler or the Scribbling Blade, I guess um, you I like that only the owner of the weapon would call it Bartle. Everyone else would refer it to it as the scribbling blade. And it would be like bad. It, it's Ooh, like seen as bad yeah. luck to call a sword by its name if you're not the owner, which well, I, I like think that. is just really fucking cool. It's just a great bit of work because it tells you yeah. a, a name of the thing and like what it's about. Oh, and I love that, too, because like anybody that's like doing their prayers about him and praising him, they can't say the items themselves. So it forces them to either do the the one that everybody uses or to be creative and come up with their own name for it mm-hmm. um, and like other ways to allude to it. So I like that a lot. OK, so, OK, what was it? Two pieces like the thing that he calls it and then what everybody yeah, so else it's, so it's does, or what na- it does. It's a name and then kind of like a surname for it, essentially. OK, so it is <laughs> It's not Forky, which is the first thing I thought of. Uh, it is, oh, um, hmm, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking musical things like sharp, flat. Uh, what does tuning well, cleft? do? Cleft. Ooh, I like that. Okay, yeah, cleft. Cleft, the the tuning blade or something like that? The cleft, the... Or treble, ooh, maybe? We could be... Treble's a fun one. Ooh, I like treble. I like treble better. Treble, yeah. Treble, yeah. treble... Treble the ooh, can we call it Troublemaker? <laughs> Troublemaker. Oh my god. Of course we could call it Troublemaker. Oh my god, I love that so much. Woo! We got it! We did it! <laughs> do do you do you want the blade to have a surname or do you want it to just be Troublemaker? Oh, oh, so, so it would be something the Troublemaker? It it would be either Troublemaker the blank blank or oh. blank the Troublemaker or something. Or do you just want it to be like like known universally as Troublemaker? I think just Troublemaker, actually, now that I think about it. Um, Yeah. Keep it simple. Oh, my God. I love that weapon so much. (laughs) Me too. Giant tuning fork. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel great about what we've got for Bartle, Bartle the Scribbler. Is there anything else you want to add to him? Any knickknacks or doodads you want to tack on to this Christmas tree we have made before we move on to the lightning round? Yes. So I just want to point out that I imagine him, this is very specific Disney (laughs) reference. I imagine him looking like 
the turtle in um uh Robin Hood, the Disney movie. So he's oh like a little kid in the group of kids and he's yes. got these big black round, not Harry Potter round, but like big and oval round mm-hmm. um glasses and like a big round nose and I want him to kind of have like like he wears like a like a chill shaw robe type deal that's okay, like sure. been woven like a very artisan like and he made it of course just like while chilling <laughs> while chilling <laughs> yeah but um that's kind of what he looks like i also got to say the robin hood disney movie i sing and or whistle the Robin Hood, little John walking through the Me forest. Me too. Oh all my the gosh, time. I do it while cooking dinner sometimes. It'll just pop in my head and I'll just go laughing back and forth of what the other has to, to say. <laughs> Never love ever it. thinking there was danger in the water. They were drinking, oh, they just guzzled it. it down. There's, oh, it's so good. I do the same exact thing. That's so funny. I, I whistle that song more than any other song in the whole world. <laughs> oh, yes. Classic. All the songs in that are so good, but not Nottingham you got too. So not not oh my god. It's a great movie. It's also funny that like apparently they ran out of money midway through that movie. So that's why you see some of the same animation reused just with different backgrounds. Well, and the thing about that is they do that in a lot of Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And actually the animators have talked about how it was actually harder to do that because oh, really? <laughs> they're trying to match because it's not like they reuse it and just like it's done. Like, I feel like people, right. you see a lot of internet videos that are like, oh, how cheap Disney reused animations. But it was actually harder for them to do, I read somewhere, because they're still having to do the drawings and they're having to map it on to different characters. Sure. And instead of being able to kind of just like free flow, like do what they want to do, they're looking and referencing these other animations, mimicking it, doing the same thing over again with totally different characters. I mean, granted, the sizes are similar and stuff, right, right. but a lot of them, I feel like I read somewhere where it was actually harder and took longer than if they had just done it. So I thought that was very interesting. That's, so, <laughs> that's really how it always goes. It's like fix it in yeah. post. It's like we could just fix it in pre. We could do it now. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound kind of like, I. and again, I don't remember where I read about this, but um, it, it sounds like something where a higher up was like, who doesn't understand how animation works, was mm-hmm. like, oh, this will be so much easier. It'll save us so much money. Just do this. And then the people who actually do it are like, what? This does nothing. (laughs) This makes it harder. The problem with all of like television film production is that all the people who actually know the like nitty gritty answers are brought into those conversations when it's already too late. Like everyone's already determined how much money we're going to spend, how many days we're going to shoot. And by the time like the line producer, the AD, the, you know, any of the department heads get involved, it's like, oh, we already know how much money we have and how many days we have. And that's what you get. Yeah. Oh, it's scary. I mean, but I guess in the world of animation, it's maybe a good thing that people, I mean, it's, it means they believe the magic. <laughs> They're like, oh, you just breathe life into this character and make it dance. So how hard could it be? So it turns out very hard. It turns out <laughs> but, extremely hard to create life. Uh, it took yeah, God yeah. a number of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We have two segments on the show. One is the Wheel of World Building. The second, as you know, is Lightning uh, Round. Uh, this Sorry, I thought is... you were asking me to fill in the blank. <laughs> you can start this over if you want to. <laughs> nope, I'm keeping it in. Um, I, I appreciate that you knew what it was, though. This is great. Um, I was like, oh, Brian's asking me. I know. And then I was like, no, this is for it. <laughs> this is where he does his bit. He's going to yep, add reverb. I'll shut up. I'm going to add reverb to both of our voices. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yes, um, okay. 
This is the section where we ask a couple questions quickly that we answer. You know, we take our time, but but we don't go in nearly as detailed as we do for the other questions. What is a rumor that is currently circulating about either Bartle the Scribbler or about the Scribblers or the general worship of Bartle? A rumor about him is that he (laughs) is that he is dead (laughs) and (laughs) another Bartle took his place a (laughs) look-alike you see where I'm going with this (laughs) and took his place and is posing as him this is very much a a, the king is dead long live the king Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah life imitates art art imitates life I love it. It's especially complicated when it's added in, like it's in the divine plane. There's somehow like someone has snuck into like the deities, killed one of them, and then like assumed their mantle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. The truest, the truest expression of art is imitation. <laughs> exactly. The form of There's a lot of layers. Whatever it is, we got we got layers like onions on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very cool. Second question. What is the name of a person, either a scribbler or some kind of involved in the Bartleby, the Bartle um, mythos? What is the name of a person and what is the most interesting thing or characteristic about them? Could be a physical thing, could be a emotional or a personality thing, could be a quirk. What's a person you've met and what is the most interesting thing about them? The name is Plorbert. Plorbert. And, love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, did do they have Kevin. a surname? <laughs> uh, oh, or is it Plorbert or is it just Plorbert? It's just Plorbert. I I yeah, it's just Plorbert. You know, we we love a good mononym. Zendaya's been doing it. Mm-hmm. Cher did it. And what Prince. better name is there than Plorbert? Um, so it's Plorbert. It's Plorbert. Uh, and what's the most <laughs> interesting interesting thing about Plorbert? Like, what is their defining characteristic or feature? They. Uh, do not have a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> and is this like, are they always wearing crop tops? Like this is like very prominent. <laughs> it's it's more to say that no one knows where Plorbert came from and neither does Plorbert. Ooh, okay. I love the mystery. Mm-hmm. I love it. Plorbert. Our third and final question is a two-parter. We always ask our guests, what is a question they have about the world for our next guest to answer? And last week we had on Angela Palladino, and she had this question for you. Does anyone know what is at the bottom of the, the waterways in the water continent? Like, you know, I'm thinking it's like Venice. Has anyone seen the actual bottom? And if so, what's down there? So the, the canals and waterways, which are like a wonder of the world of Saruya and of the Twin Ports, has anyone seen the bottom? And if so, what is down there? What's living down there? Or just what is physically down there? I want to say someone has, but it's somebody who is a very unreliable narrator. So I'm kind of thinking like your your Professor Trelawney types where it's like they go on and on about stuff and rumors sure. and stuff. So you never believe you're like, they're full of shit. But this is the one thing that they actually have seen. And it was so, it was a creature Ooh. that that this this person saw in <laughs> <And, laughs> the creature i i'm imagining like a 
like a a big eel type creature, like some sort of aquatic creature, but not okay. one that is well known. So kind of like a mythical, like your Loch Ness monster type situation, but okay. not a Loch Ness monster. Sure, sure. So there's some kind of like unknown beast that is trolling through these canals and waterways. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know responsible for some damages or disappearances. We don't really know. Oh, absolutely. So there is this eel-like creature. What is a what is like the defining feature of this creature, other than being like eel-like, that this person saw? Like, did did this thing have, you know, crazy teeth? Was it blue? Did it glow? What what was like a notable feature that is makes this thing distinct? Um, I I imagine it being like um like the octopus octopi octopuses <laughs> that can um camouflage themselves um so oh, it's okay, hard sure. to spot and that's why only one person has seen it so um but this person saw it in a moment um of kind of changing in between two camouflages and it has very beady black eyes so if you catch the eyes you might think that they're part of you know something underwater or a pebble mm-hmm. or something but saw the eyes saw it mid change and was like, oh, my God. I, I also love that there's like, obviously, this person has like put together, you know, a society of believers and watchers somewhere mm-hmm. trying to find this thing again. Yeah, people think it's a conspiracy, but it's, an, it's one that's actually true. I love it. I love a good conspiracy theory. I love a good uh, unknown <laughs> camouflaged monster. Really, I'm just thinking with my DM brain. I'm like, ooh, plot hook, plot hook, plot hook. Okay, here we go. Yeah. I love it. And the second part of that question is, what is a question you have about this world for our next guest to answer? Could be anything big or small. My question is, what is a recent invention in this world that has kind of shifted technology forward? So I'm thinking, and it can be as, as recent as like it's happening now. It's just been released. It can be, you know. 10 years old, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the person decides. But I'm imagining like for the the 90s, it was the internet, for example, in our world. And then follow up, what is a word that came from this invention that is now in normal lexicon? So like the internet gave us words oh. like dot com, meme. Sure. So what, so what is the invention and what word has become common in language because of it? Ooh, I love that. Also, touches on the my want for someone to spin idiom. I just I want to create that. I know that's a me too. Every time Kevin and I listen, we're like, are they gonna get it? Are they gonna get it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really hope that episode's good because I've been talking about it every other episode. Every episode, <laughs> I know we're really building it up, but I'm not helping. I know, I know. No, I love that. I think that's a very fun question. I don't know the answer, but we'll find out next week on cannon fodder and to steal a line from walter cronkite that's the way it is ladies and gentlemen load up all that lore fire it directly into fractured realms that is all for this episode of cannon fodder before we go lauren anything you want to plug anything you want people to see out in the world of yours not me specifically i'm still working and learning so check out my friends at lo-fi check out Brian's podcast that you're already listening to. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it going. Listen to all the other ones. Support all these creative people. That's what Bartle would want. That's what Bartle would want, ladies and gentlemen. You can listen to all episodes of Cannon Fodder on all the podcasting services you could possibly imagine. 
And if you want to see all of today's world building put into action, you can check out our parent show, The 20-Sided Podcast. Right now, all 11 episodes of our first season titled Escape from the RMS Titanfall are available. And if I'm doing the math right, we should be already well on our way into season two of the 20-Sided Podcast. Uh, If I'm wrong, I'll have to edit this out. If I'm right, I'm going to leave in this part where I'm talking about maybe having to edit it out. This shows you exactly how planned things are on this end. Uh, (laughs) But for now, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.